0: Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Scheckman. Andy Grove, perhaps more than anyone other than Steve Jobs, transformed technology, drove the growth of Silicon Valley, and shaped the views of so many of the people that run tech companies today. To say that he was the godfather of Silicon Valley would not be an understatement. Andy Grove passed away yesterday. He was one of the founders and the CEO of Intel Corporation, where he transformed the role of semiconductors from an obscure part of tech to almost a consumer product. He was also at the cutting edge of the computer and Internet revolution. Back in 1996, 20 years ago, Grove wrote a book entitled Only the Paranoids Survive. It's still widely read and respected today. Upon the publication of that book in '96, I had the chance to speak with Andy Grove. At the time, Wi-Fi didn't exist. High-speed Internet was still a dream and networks were reserved only for the biggest of corporations. But it's clear from our conversation that Grove saw that key inflection points were coming. He foresaw the change that would bring the creative destruction that would result in so much of the change that is transforming the world today. Let's listen to a little of that conversation from 20 years ago with Andy Grove. We begin by him talking about some of the problems that Intel faced as a result of a scandal involving faulty chips that almost brought down the company.
1: You give some examples in the book, particularly as it relates to Intel. For example, the problem that, that happened with the Pentium chip and how that was one of those turning points in terms of the company. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that was a turning point that actually probably the inflection point happened earlier, but it was brought home to us by the public reaction that we had to that problem which was so much bigger than we thought it merited that we really had to step back and think why was there such a difference in viewpoint between ourselves and how the rest of the world looked at it. And we came to realize that largely due to our own efforts, we have become a consumer product company over many years. We have merchandised and marketed our technology to the consumer. And part of the success of that program was that the consumer looked to us for fulfilling their expectations about support, problem resolution, not to the computer manufacturer from whom they bought their computers. moment of recognition someplace in December of 1994 was when we crossed that particular strategic
1: inflection point. Do you think that there's too much emphasis in the the media today and in the press today in terms of what goes on inside companies? I mean, you talk about the fact that there was a change that took place in terms of how Intel was perceived. I mean, the end user, the the people that were buying your products, buying Intel's products, were other computer manufacturers, which then sold it to the end user, to the customer but people have become so enamored with what goes on inside certain industries I know for example in the film business you know where people used to just wanna know if a movie was good or bad now they're interested in, in you know in what people are being paid and what the grosses of those movies are I mean it seems to me when one looks what happened with with intel and this whole pentium story it's there There seems to be a fascination the public has that, that really is more dominant than it ever was with what goes on inside companies the inside story so that all companies no matter how technical in certain glamour industries their activity becomes too much fodder for the press really you think this is a good trend or a bad trend?
2: In as much as uh the light of publicity has an impact on the conduct of your business is probably a good trend mm-hmm. um, I think Intel has become a better company as a result of the public scrutiny I wish we could have become a better company in a less painful
1: Things also that seems to be happening more and more. I'd like to get your take on this. It does seem to be more and more the case, is that so many high tech companies, so many companies in in your business, the leaders of those companies, the entrepreneurs of those companies, seem to become celebrities in their own right. Um, I know that there was there, there's a talk show that in the past two or three weeks, I think this is a television talk show, has had on as guests. I think Mark Andreessen was on, Jim Barksdale was on, Scott McNeely was on. I mean, all of these people seem to be becoming celebrities in their own right.
2: It's either there or the issues that they are speaking about are becoming some, uh, of some interest to the public at large. Technology is becoming mainstream of mainstream interest and consequently who else is going to talk about the, the technologies themselves. So
1: and to the extent that technology is so integral to our lives let let's talk for a second about what you see as perhaps within the industry at large, you know, the 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 next strategic inflection points. What are the next big changes that that you see taking place? Certainly the internet and all the talk about that right now seems to be top of the list in terms of of where people are putting their attention.
2: It is on top of my list too, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think computing will be totally different when its simplest plain description is that every computer in every home and every office is connected to every other computer in every home and every office. And therefore, whatever programs and data and information is available on any computer is available to all other computers, or theoretically, at least, available to all other computers. That is so dramatically different than the philosophy and the architecture of personal computing has been in the past that i think it is going to be representing a strategic inflection point for all players in this industry
1: which is really this idea i just want to clarify this i mean essentially what you're saying it seems to me is this this whole idea that we are beginning to hear more and more about are the sort of net pcs where, where people instead of having the administration of their personal computer for the for the to deal with themselves it's really all part of a network and they just get the programs they need, the software they need, when they need it through this uh, much simpler kind of personal computing device.
2: Provided, provided, and it's a big provided, uh, they have the network strength, network capacity to make that software available to them in, without undue delay, which is more or less the case in large companies and is not at all the case for consumers in the home those of us with computers in our home are connected to the internet through ordinary telephone lines and for us to access our, compu- our software from the internet on a- through an ordinary telephone line is a little bit like carrying a conversation from one thing can to another connected with a piece of string.
1: Let, let, let's go back to this idea of strategic inflection points and how do companies know when they're, they, they've really hit this kind of point? As you say sometimes the reality of events it does not always coincide, does not always sync up with the actual timing of that strategic inflection point. What are the things that managers and, and, and people need to be aware of and look out for?
2: But for one thing, you never really know. You only know it when you write a book about it years later, after you've survived it and you have the perspective of time to look back at it you go into it there are certain telltale signs. One thing that is I found a very useful exercise is to ask myself or ask people that are involved in a discussion like this. Is there one company, one organization that you depend on more than ever before? Did that change? Is the company you depend on different than the, company, than the company would have named a year ago. Alternatively, you can ask the question, is that one company that you're competing with that concerns you, that keeps you up or away at night more than other companies, and is that company different than what you had a year before? If there are shifts in the companies that you depend on and shifts in a companies that you compete with that you can put your finger on, that's good sign that something is changing kind of repositioning all the players and that often related to a strategic inflection point coming on
1: so really it 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 involves and as you point out in your book quite a number of times it's so important for people within companies in any industry really but particularly in a fast-changing technological business to be able to step out of their cocoon as it were and to really keep in touch with what's going on in other businesses and outside of of their own little universe. Absolutely.
2: Strategic inflection points always come on from the outside in and uh, therefore the first signs of it are going to be in the outside world.
1: The other thing I want to touch on is that what happens, and I don't think you deal with this in the book, is when there are multiple layers of strategic inflection points. As one looks around the landscape now, certainly there are critical issues taking place within your industry. We were just talking about one in terms of the influence of the Internet and how that's going to have an effect on society. At the same time as, as, as I've talked on this program a number of times, there's a lot of fundamental changes happening in the economy of this country. The nature of work is shifting, the nature of the way people manage their time is shifting. Much of it is a result of technology. And that when you have really technological change taking place on top of economic change and changes taking place in fundamental attitudes within the economy and within the country when there are strategic inflection points layered upon each other within the society.
2: That's very realistic, um, but to understand the total picture, you've got to take them one at a time, and understand each, because by the very nature that they involve Scale change, strategic inflection points are complex, and if you shift back and forth in examining different ones that have an impact on each other, you get lost. So I, um, I can think that way. I can, you know, you're right. All these things I think, are think placed simultaneously, and all these things are interrelated. But I kind of like to pick them apart and take a look at one of them and regarding all the rest of the changes it's just environments to the one that i'm looking
1: at but i guess the net effect that it has and 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 this is beyond the scope of of what we're talking about really but the net effect that it has is when you have so many of these changes taking place is it does make people uneasy it adds i think in, in large part to so much of the angst that that people seem to feel out there mm-hmm. because because there's just so much change going change on is
2: concerning mm-hmm. uh, changes about uncertainty it does create anxiety and it does create concern and it should. Right, which which really goes back to
1: the title of your book which I want to remind people of because it's important is that only the paranoid survive and you talk about that and also about fear and the value of this fear in, in, in motivating people and getting them to do, to do better.
2: We need to concern ourselves with the unknown and we need to take and draw energy from that concern, so we address it. Energy comes from very often from the fear of what might happen if we don't summon it up.
1: So that fear and, and that paranoia is really uh, a good thing, and something that people shouldn't shy well, away the way
2: I look at it is a good thing. Uh-huh. Uh, the way I look at it is a source of activism, a so sort of energy that you bring to bear in order to ride that inflection point curve to the rising branch of that curve rather than to the decline.
1: The book again is Only the Paranoid Survive, and I'm talking with Andrew Grove, the chairman and CEO of Intel Corporation. And I thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks very much for having me, John. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure. A good thank- morning. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.